mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today, we've got a myriad of topics. You know, we're we're excited to just kind of have a a conversational piece. Um, I'm going to talk about something that came up within um, our internal conversations about um, coaches and what they're looking for and things that they're doing when we're having these consult calls with them. So uh, I'm going to talk about a scenario that came up and and give you my my thoughts, my opinions and and reasons behind those things. Um, Claire's going to give us some uh, hot takes. Yeah, hot (laughs) takes on social media stuff uh, (laughs) that she came across. So that's going to be fun, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also I mean, Claire's a, you know, a lifelong learner. You know, she was mm-hmm. attending a webinar just right before this so she could learn more about new uh, ideas, methods, processes, you know. And so she's going to share a little bit about that. And we're just going to ha- kind of have a conversation about mm-hmm. all of those things together, uh, yeah. you know. But I'm going to start it off. OK, so here's a, a scenario that we kind of faced already where um, a coach was saying that they don't believe in testing or assessments mm-hmm. for um, physical qualities like jumping, sprinting, change of direction, lifting, things like that, where they were like, I don't do that. I mean, they they train in the off season. They just don't measure anything after that point. Uh, so, I mean, hey, everyone, I'm sure you already know. I disagree with that. I yeah. mean, it's not How- that... How do you know they're getting better? Right. I mean, there are ways that you can know that you're getting better, right? You can Mm -hmm. just simply tell through doing the same exercise for the same sets and reps if you're using more weight. Obviously, that's an easy way to tell, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you know if you got faster? Well, that's kind of different. Like, I'm just using faster as like an indicator, right? Like, um, if you don't do tests and you're just, I don't know, going through practice, like, is everyone saying the same? You might be able to tell if that kid's like faster than everybody else or doing something that he couldn't do before, right? Mm-hmm. You can obviously do that. But what if everyone else is getting improved? <laughs> well, what if everyone's improving at the same rate? True. Or, you know, um, if you've got everyone not doing as well as this one person, uh, like, how do you measure that? Like, how do you like absolutely know, you know, right. where it's coming from or, or just get more insight, you know, cause you don't want to just, you don't want to just look at everything subjectively and, you know, be, everyone has biased eyes, right? So you're going to have like these preset conceptions about what's going to happen or what should happen, what you want to happen. So everyone mm-hmm. has biased eyes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I guess that's what I was going to say. Like, how how do you know if it changes if everything you're measuring is subjective? Right. Like same thing with nutrition. You can you can look at the same things. Like if we're not objectively testing like body composition or bone mineral density or, you know, whatever it might be, it's all subjective. Right. I feel better. Okay, that's great. But we need to look at other things. Yeah. Like, why do you feel better? Yeah. Uh, You know what? What's happening that's making you feel better? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just side note here, Claire, we need to talk about, um, remember I told you about that article, um, muscle to bone ratio yeah, and performance and like injury. We, we, we'll talk about that probably next week, but, um, oh, okay. but we need to talk about that one on, on a podcast soon. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll... the one that you thought you sent me on LinkedIn and you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one. You sent me a video instead. Yeah. So just heads up everyone. There's like, I think it's a pretty cool concept coming out uh, about muscle to bone ratio. Okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that on a different one and we'll have lots of information on that. So back to testing and, and why you should test and things like that. So I, I tend to, I've been in situations in, in coaching in college where a lot of my time spent was at places that didn't have a lot of budget. So when I'm thinking about how to practically go about these things, I want to be able to appeal to the coaches that don't have a big budget, right? That are mm -hmm. like bare minimum basics right here. Because if you get more money and you have more resources, you can get more equipment and do things a lot at a higher level, right? That's mm -hmm. easy, right? But it's really hard to do it when you've got, you know, dust in your pockets and, yeah. and you're trying to scrape by. You have to by, be creative. Right? So, uh, so a lot of my thought process is like, how does this work at the lowest level or the level where there aren't a lot of resources available? So testing, let's just kind of mention why you should do it, right? Mm -hmm. You should do it because you need a starting point and you need an ending point to figure out how good you were and, and how like much progress you made, right? Mm -hmm. um, here's a concept that all coaches can stand behind, okay? I'm probably... Uh, I guess I should preface saying that the the coach who said that was a high school football coach. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I will be talking about right now with this topic is for high school football coaches. Okay. So these coaches all have a weekly test in season. It's called a game, mm -hmm. right? That's a weekly test. It tests how good your strategy was for that and the execution of that strategy, right? So in the off season, you want to have a lot of movement strategies and an, an overall strategy, which would be periodization or your, your program, your strength conditioning program. Mm -hmm. um, and then you want to test how effective was the execution of that plan, right? So who worked hard, who didn't, did the plan work overall like on average for the team did the plan work mm -hmm. okay that tells you that it was a pretty good plan right for your team right and then you can start to look at who improved in different areas or who improved more than other people mm -hmm. that's going to give you either those people um had a lot to gain anyway mm -hmm. or they you'll know right based on the information whether or not people went hard or you'll have your idea of these people really put in the time they invested in themselves right You'll see that stuff. So um, you need to have those types of markers to know whether or not what you're doing works. And coaches have that all the time during the season, right? You've got not just wins and losses um, like on that Friday night, right? Like within that, you've got this play worked, this play didn't work. Why right. didn't it work, right? You've got film for that type of stuff as well. So they're always making adjustments, right? Taking in information and making the appropriate adjustments. Well, this is another way to do that. Um, Side note here, another coach was on a call with us and he believes in testing and, and off-season training. And he he was really adamant that that wins are made in the off-season, right? And I agree with that because 
if you're not training your kids to get better, like their athletic potential is something that aids in their football skill or their sports skill. Mm -hmm. And you want to enhance that athletic potential so that they can improve upon the skills that they have. Right. So if you're only training sports skill, right, you're going to get this good, right. In this little fixed area of sports skill. And you've got really nothing to support it other than what's happening during that sports skill. Right. But if you can gain more strength, you can be more powerful in theory, right? Like you have the potential to be more powerful. And by being more powerful or having higher capabilities, you can execute that skill faster um, or better overall, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to enhance your overall potential because that will allow your uh, execution of the skill to be optimized in whatever way it's op it needs to be optimized for the sport right or for your position in the sport whatever you know that's all uh, subjective to the actual scenario that you're in but you, you need to train right and so uh, being a part of that training assessment is good it gives you that feedback right that you need to make a decision with just like film gives you that feedback or watching a play gives you that feedback or um, anything like that, right? You, you need feedback to make adjustments. And coaches, you want to be able to make adjustments for your team to be better, right? I mean, your career, I guess your reputation is predicated on wins and losses. So I would assume you would do everything you can to increase your wins, um, you know, throughout, right? That way you can, uh, your team could be successful. Your players have more opportunities to go to college because they're uh, a little better developed and, and college uh, coaches want that. Um, you also have a, a personal capability to, you know, enhance your career by either moving up or, or getting gains in like, um, what's, what's the thing? What am I thinking of? Um, when you're getting more money, I guess, for your program on oh, your budget, that's mm -hmm. the word. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, Hey, financially for you and your family, maybe that's a little bit better, but anyways, so, Let's go back to what we're talking about, testing. So you need to be able to do that. And it doesn't have to be hard, right? Like I'm talking about um, in-season or out-of-season. You could do it in-season if you did broad jump or vertical jump. I don't know what you have. But you can do a non-fatiguing thing. You don't have to run 40s during season just to track whether or not you guys are primed and ready to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. That, that may take a little more keen eye. So let's go. Let's stick with the off-season here, right? So you want to make sure your off-season program works. Um, and you want to make sure that you can track how your guys are coming along year to year or without the, throughout the summer or your off season, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's in the springtime a little bit before spring ball, but just test whether that everyone, every sport coach out there, you got to stop watch, right? Um, you can time the 40, you can time a, a change of direction drill. Just, just get them out there and time it. But the important thing is, is whoever times the first one, like the initial test, that needs to be the person who times it again, because mm -hmm. otherwise your, your data is, is skewed because you've got two different uh, people yeah. administering the test. Right. So same person does it. And then like uh, if you're you're doing lifts or uh, broad jump is easy to do. Right. You set up a tape measure. You have a start line. You have something to measure their heel with toes start behind the line. You jump, you measure at the heel. You don't measure at the toe because you're seeing how much distance the person actually traveled. Right. So from toe start heel measurement at there and you just measure the uh, inches or you can go feet and inches doesn't matter however you want to track it but you can still track that stuff just make mm -hmm. sure they don't move right it should be jump 
land securely, no movement of the feet, um, and nothing falling back towards the starting line. So hands not falling back towards the starting line, butt not falling back. Because uh, you want to measure anything that covered that distance between start and heel on the finish. Anyways, so that's an easy test to do. Vertical jump, like if you don't have a vertex, you could do the whole like chalk on the wall thing yeah. or marker, I don't know, whatever, you know, uh, yeah. chalk on your hands, slap you the could wall. Put, like a sticky note. I think I've seen people. Right, do that. right, right. You could do that stuff. That's fine too. Um, you know, you just measure that. Um, I, I would probably. I'd probably stay away from that, but I don't know. That's just my preface. But you you can still do that because it gives you the measurement of right. how high those people those athletes jumped, right. right? It gives you something. Yeah, it gives you something, right? And that's a that's a low budget thing. That's the lowest budget mm -hmm. test you can do. You can do it over and over again. Um, and there's not really any way to cheat that uh, because you can't you can't throw a posted note up higher and make it stick, right? Anyways. Um, yeah, so those are easy tests to do, and you should do it because what you're building as far as in the weight room with uh, strength and maybe you're working on power in there, you have to be able to transfer those qualities, right? And, and that's the whole goal of it. You get stronger so that you can do more through your movements out on the field, right? Your legs get stronger so you can uh, run faster, okay, or uh, be more explosive off the ball if you're like a lineman coming off out of you out of your stance right so you want to be more explosive um when you're out there moving around mm -hmm. uh could also let me just throw this in there it could be when you're slowing down right if you're running back you're going to make a jump cut you know your legs have to be strong for you to stop and then make the cut and then re-accelerate right so um you want to build that strength but you got to make sure that it's going to be functional after that so this is what those jump tests those sprint the change of direction stuff is it's really measuring your your capabilities um, as a mover and your your lower body strength and power output at that point so it, you should measure these things because they're easy to do and i don't know why coaches like exclude them they, they could be a part of your i mean they could be used as a deload week or whatever and as an incentive for people to come in during testing week or, or you know, uh, to, to see that they've really invested in themselves, right? It's an opportunity for athletes to buy in because they're seeing that the program works. So not only do you create buy-in from that moment of when they do the test and have seen improvement, but you create buy-in along the way, like after that point as well. So uh, I, I think it's an opportunity that's missed by a lot of coaches because I don't know, they, they don't want to do it. Um, like they don't want to make the time to do it. They don't see the value in it. Um, they think that their position maybe doesn't have the resources to accurately test. Well, you probably don't have the resources that, uh, I don't know, Oregon A has or Florida has. state yeah, has. Right. Not. So, um, you don't have like top level D one mm -hmm. resources, but that doesn't mean you can't take a test and make a conclusion from that test. Right. So I, I think it's just it's just kind of flawed for whatever reason they're choosing not to do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's um, low hanging fruit, as they say. It's there. You're, you're already with these athletes, you know, mm -hmm. just do the test. Yeah. It's not enough to just rely on games to measure progress. No. And, and oh, this is a, this is a big thing. Right. Um, this is what I love about testing. Right. I'm trying to take my biased self out of results as much as possible right mm -hmm. so i've got 
over 10 years of experience, like in college um, strength conditioning, I've seen a lot of stuff, right? And so, yeah, I can probably tell some things from my eyes, but I want to know, right? And so that either validates me or it teaches me something a little bit more. So I get better as a coach by seeing this objective data, but I can also take the objective data to make my expertise or let my expertise guide me in a different direction mm -hmm. based on that data. Right. So it's so it's like the best of both worlds, right? I'm getting great information and now it's making me a, a better coach and I still have the opportunity to, you know, keep my hands on the wheel and, and drive this wherever I want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just, you know, looking at road signs, you know, to help me along the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I'm, that was my, uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was how I felt about that situation with testing. I think you should do it. Um, if you go to our website, www.acesnation.org, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find uh, the blog post uh, that I put out there. If you want to read a little bit more, uh, I go a little more in depth into this conversation here. So you can probably um, discern my, my ranting a little mm -hmm. bit better by just reading it. Under the media tab. Yeah. So go to the media tab. It'll be in mm -hmm. there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I was bringing to the table. Nice. Talk to us about the webinar, Claire. Oh, uh, it was a good webinar. Yeah. It just taught, we were talking about, well, I didn't talk about it, but somebody was presenting, a dietitian was presenting on uh, hydration testing tools. Mm -hmm. um, so he works in the tactical population, so with the military. Mm -hmm. Um, which is actually a very big field for sports dietitians. I don't know if people realize that, but there are a lot of dietitians that work in the military. Um, yes. Question from the audience here. Um, are they still titled sports performance. dietitians? They're performance mm -hmm. dietitians? Yes, okay. or tactical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. they're okay. civilians working, like, contracted with the military. Correct. Um, so... Yeah, so it was just interesting to hear a little bit more about different types of testing, um, depending on what resources you have access to. Um, again, maybe kind of similar to what you were talking about, testing is a lot of these high schools or even colleges, maybe maybe they don't have access to some of these you know, more expensive like hydration testing tools. Mm -hmm. um, I know you use the Gatorade sweat patches, and you're going to talk about that for a second, but... Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways that you can test hydration. So you can do, you know, I'm sure you've seen the urine color chart in bathroom stalls and yep. probably every single locker room you've ever <laughs> stepped into. Yep. Um, so briefly talked about that. You know, you can do the weigh-in, the weigh-in, weigh-out. Um, you know, uh, there's maybe a little bit more of a nuanced one where um, we're looking at weigh-in, weigh-out, how much did you drink during practice, um, did you go to the bathroom during practice? So that can give us a little bit more of a nuanced perspective on hydration. Um, Is that like weigh in, got the number, ask you those two questions, and then weigh out? And there's some type of uh, discernment made from the answers of those two questions about what the last number really means? The What do you mean the last number? The weigh out number. Um, no, not, well, I mean, if you put, you put all those numbers in at the same time mm -hmm. and it'll kind of calculate it for you, depending on, um, how much you excreted and took in. 
So if you're taking in the same amount you're excreting, then great. But if not, then yeah, the number is going to change a little bit. Um, and that's just fluid. So that's not really taking into account electrolyte balance and fluctuations. Um, and then you can get into more of like the wearable stuff or like the specific gravity. So testing the urine um, for how hydrated you are. So there's, you know, a number ranges, it'll show up on the thing, you put it in your urine sample, and then you can see kind of if you're hydrated, if you're overhydrated, if you're borderline underhydrated, or if you're um, right. underhydrated or hypohydrated, if you will. Um, and then in terms of electrolytes or looking at sweat rates and stuff, um, sweat concentration, there are other tools we can use for that. So again, those just kind of look at what is the amount of electrolyte or sodium you're losing through X amount of milliliters of sweat or how much sweat. So um, I think sometimes there's a misconception that just because you sweat a lot means that you sweat out a ton of electrolytes. And I would say the majority of people like are, you know, not necessarily heavy concentrated sweaters or low concentrated sweaters. Most of the time people kind of fall in the middle. Um, but that testing can just kind of give you more of an indication of like, if you don't sweat a ton, but the sweat that you do sweat out is very chocked full of electrolytes, then you probably need to be doing something a little bit different to rehydrate and replenish those um, versus maybe somebody that sweats a ton. Maybe the, the first thought would be, wow, they're losing a ton of electrolytes, but maybe that concentration is very low. So maybe they don't need four liquid IVs after their, you know, ultra endurance marathon or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so it's just, again, another tool to use for testing. Again, I would say the majority of the time we can use more of these like general recommendations. He was, um, I think the term he used was like t-shirt recommendations. So like small, medium, large, extra large, Nice. you know, kind of more general nice. versus, yeah. you know, maybe if you're working with, um, a triathlete or um, somebody that competes in multiple events a day or is uh, competing in like ultras or just these very long endurance events where we're sweating for very, very long extended periods of time, then maybe doing this like very specific mm. hydration testing could yeah. be useful. So yeah, it was a good webinar. Um, it's always nice to learn new things about um, topics we're already, yeah. you know, have information on. And obviously there's always research coming out about these topics. So it's nice to kind of refresh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was, when I talked, I was giving you the, um, the lowest budget, uh, you know, uh, option there. Can you mm -hmm. give us the pro tip for hydration? Is it just stick with the, uh, urine color? Way in, for way out. Budget? Yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah, best I mean, low you, budget option? If you can't afford a scale, then just urine great and thirst you can go off thirst too um most of the time uh i would say kind of overshooting thirst a little bit and drinking a little bit over your thirst level mm -hmm. um, but those would be the two most they're free so you, you have to drink and you have to go to the bathroom right right hopefully you have a toilet available <laughs> I'm sure you do, right? Some form of fashion. <laughs> okay, so um, you know it takes. Um, so if you're um, if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Is the phrase that's thrown out a lot, right? Mm -hmm. In the in the common world, not yeah. the registered dietitian world. Um, so, and 
in the body, it takes your uh, brain, what is it, like 20 minutes uh, to get the signal from your stomach that you're full, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is, takes a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, It's okay. probably different person so, to person. Let me not say the time. It just It <laughs> takes time, right? It takes minutes for that to happen, yeah. right? Is that the same thing with thirst? Does it take, where does that signal come from? And um, if you know, and yeah. <laughs> how, how long, does it take minutes as well for your brain to recognize that you're thirsty? And therefore that's the reason mm-hmm. why if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated, quote unquote. Yeah, I'm sure it takes a little bit of time. Like I'm sure it's not instantaneous, mm-hmm. uh, but I would imagine that it doesn't take 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I think that there is some maybe credibility to like, yeah, if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated because at that point your body's kind of having to remind you like, Hey, we need water. We need fluids. Um, versus just kind of every, I don't know, couple of like 20, maybe 30 minutes taking a couple sips of water. Um, it does take about 40 to 45 minutes after you drink for that to kind of process through your body. So like sometimes when if if you drink a lot of water or you take a couple gulps and then you go to the bathroom and you're like, why is my why is it still dark? Why is it not the way it's supposed to? It just takes a little bit of time. And then if you go to the bathroom like an hour later, you'll notice that it's it's changed. It's changed colors yeah. if you're drinking after that. So um I don't know the exact time for like the thirst cues. Right, right. Um, but I would imagine it's probably a little bit shorter than food yeah food intake or i just thought about that i, I that's interesting yeah i don't know the exact answer that's a good question okay okay well, what about that social media post <laughs> that you saw let's talk Enough about that about hydration wait, wait should i mention uh the g patches really quick oh yeah yeah yeah. what okay. was your experience just like? just quickly uh i signed up to be one of those gatorade uh partners uh when i was working at cal state northridge and so we got i think it was like 10 free patches and i had a couple athletes staying over the summer um to uh work directly with me so we um we use the patches during our conditioning days um and it was it was interesting uh, our sports dietitian uh, my man connor um our registered <laughs> dietitian on staff like I, I told him i said hey i got these you know do you think it'd be okay you know talk to him about like i'm gonna, i was going to use these just to see you know sweat levels are you know kind of talk to him he was like yeah you can see what it what, what's happening there so mm-hmm. we just kind of took a look at the information uh basically it looked like this uh like a labyrinth of a pathway that sweat would enter the patch right, right so yeah. on the underneath side i think they had like a little porous area where mm-hmm. sweat could go into it mm-hmm. and so the and then big it just collects yeah it just collects right and turns color right right um so Oh, this is, yeah, this is going to be a fun story on both sides. So the bigger pathway is water loss. Mm -hmm. And then there's a really small pathway down at the bottom, which is sodium loss. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we signed up. I, I, just to be fair, I thought the whole app process was kind of complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the whole sign up and everything. They didn't have uh, the sport was softball that I was working with. They didn't have softball as a sport, so I had to choose like, uh, like a different sport, yeah. right? Which could have skewed all results. But anyway, so I had to have them sign up on a personal app, and then I had to sign up on a coaching app to like view it, right? So it was I don't know, it was a little complicated. But anyways, mm-hmm. we got some information back um, about their individual scans, which was fine. But just like you said, it turns out like they were all pretty medium sweaters. I think. 
I think one of the athletes had um, a little more sodium loss, you know, mm-hmm. um, like in comparison with everyone else. And it was a little closer to being like closer to like one to one as far as the yeah. the content goes. But who knows? I mean, we only did it a few times and the whatever they did the day before or, or leading up to that point could have influenced how they sweat that day. could have. Um, what? Do people have, are people pattern sweaters or, you know, like, am I always going to be this type of sweat or is, am I right to assume that it's going to be dependent upon, you know, how I've hydrated my body and things like that Mm -hmm. beforehand, right? I wouldn't say always, but there is a general pattern to how you're sweating. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is genetics, like in terms of like the amount Mm -hmm. and, um, also how well your body regulates temperature. Yeah. Um, that's probably a pretty... Um, consistent thing unless maybe something happened and then that could be a good indication of like, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> what's happening? So this is not yeah. the typical kind of pattern of what happens. But um, you know, if maybe your diet is really high in sodium or whatever, um, there could be some fluctuations with the electrolyte concentration. Right. But for the most part, I would say from a con like fluid concentration of sweat. You should be pretty consistent with okay. if you're like low, medium, heavy. Gotcha. Um, so we were out in the, you know, Southern California heat in the summertime. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was pretty hot, but obviously dry. But um, so I thought it was an interesting little take. And um, here, here's a side story about the G patches, right? So all those sessions that we did lasted about 45 minutes, I would say, mm-hmm. including the warm up. Um, and you're not supposed to have them on longer than two and a half hours or something like that. Okay, there's, mm-hmm. there's a time limit when you're how long you can wear right. the, the Gatorade patches. So I was like, you know what? I want to know what my personal sweat like uh, sweat loss is. Oh, you know, like if it's mostly water, is it? You know, what's my sodium uh, concentration that I'm losing here? So I wear mine when I go on a hike one weekend. Well, I went about two and a half hours over the oh, no. over the limit. You hiked for five hours. I, I hiked for a long time. Um, so, well, because it was like it was a weekend. It was summertime. Like I didn't have anything to do really. I, I was like excited about just going out hiking. Yeah. Love the hiking. It's in okay. You don't have Southern to explain California. yourself. To me. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So, so I went to I went to go analyze my um, look at the patch. I can't remember if I was wearing like uh, a long sleeve or like, you know, three quarter or, or whatever. So it's up on the, um, well, I think it has to be on your left arm, but it's it's up really high, right? So I go to look at it and. Is it gone? No, no, no. It's still there. But the color dyes that were in it had run <laughs> out all over my arm because I had it on too long and all my sweat had pushed all that stuff out. Oh my God. So I couldn't even read my no. my number. I uh, couldn't even get a, a reading. <laughs> Conclusion, you sweat too much. <laughs> well, I just had it on too long. Yeah. It was like, man, that's crazy. My arm was like orange and purple for yeah. like uh, That's good that hike. it didn't fall off though because that was some of the, and this might've been long ago, they might've fixed it since then. But one of the complaints I heard about those the just patches, I don't know that it was specific to Gatorade. I think it yeah. was just sweat patches in general. Um, if you were a pretty heavy sweater um, or even medium sometimes, they would just fall off. Yeah. Like they they weren't sticky enough or they just wouldn't stay on. 
So um, I just distinctly remember that. And I was like, oh, dang, that sucks. So that's what I thought you were going to say. You just lost it in the woods somewhere. Nope. It stayed on and dang. all those dyes just ran off me. Oh, well, that sucks. You can it figure was out what it, it was. was. Fine. I had a good time. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. hey, speaking of like hot weather, let's have a hot take, Claire. Oh, yes. Uh, speaking of hot weather, it's really hot here. Um, so I was scrolling, I mean, just scrolling through social media as one does. Um, and I came across this, you know, video of people making something. And I was like, ooh, a recipe video or just, you know, somebody's making something. Cool. Right. What is it? Right. It was bug milk. <laughs> That's what they called it. Bug milk. Bug milk. Uh, yeah. That, can you explain to what? to our listeners what it looked like? Um, the video? Uh, well, the video was processing it. So it was taking all these... What did I, what kind of bug? Black fly, some. Yeah, some specific black fly larva. Larvae, larva, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Well, yeah, larvae if there's multiple, right? Larvae. Yeah. So they were taking those and they mixed it, I think, with, they put it in water and they turn on this machine and it goes. Like a centrifuge? Not a centrifuge, but like a big mixing thing. And ah, then it all kind of okay. like, you know, and then it probably filters out the liquid and then all the wings and shells and. I don't know what else in larvae. Um, I'm getting kind of grossed out as I'm explaining this. So I, this is, uh, sorry to interrupt, but this is just what my thought was initially when I heard about this. I thought it was a press. It might have been. Like they pressed them down and like squeezed their juices out that way. And then they like mixed it and, and strained it out. But <laughs> I don't like that you said that. Yeah. I was imagining you have like a, uh, like a, cheesecloth or like uh you got like you know uh, yeah yeah like cheesecloth around like curds or whatever and you're like squeezing out the excess yeah. anyways go on anyways uh <laughs> that's where i stopped because i was like ew gross ew gross so um moral of the story is stop making milk from things that are not milkable yeah like bugs yeah and the 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 caption was like uh milk alternative that's high in protein and fat and blah, blah, And I was like, that's great. But like, just drink milk. And if you can't, take lactate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was called Intimilk. Is that E-N-T-I? E A, I think. Oh, really? I'm surprised they didn't go like I or O for like entomology to like stay along that line. I thought it was line. an A. Um, yeah. I'm so Google it real quick. Yeah. So like Intimilk. I don't know how it's. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, into milk. Yeah, into milk. Black soldier fly larvae. There you go. I mean, tell you what, into milk. You're not really into that milk, I'm are you? I'm not into that milk. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, it's just interesting. Uh, actually, for everyone, uh, just a side note here: Claire's not into any milk that's not from. Uh, that's not true. I wouldn't say I'm not. Well, okay, I'm not into it as for in you, like, personal I don't choice. prefer it. Yeah, yeah. personal um, preference. Yeah, I prefer dairy like cow's milk yeah, um, or goat milk. Do you like or goat, goat milk? milk? That's fine too. I don't particularly like the taste, but so, so, it's fine. What, what do you think? I like goat like, cheese. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's like a little salty, I think it's a little, little kind of sour. Yeah. 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 There you um, go. That's a good term. It's a little sour. But I mean, if you have to go for an alternative, I usually say opt for soy milk because nutritionally it's the most comparable to cow's milk. And if you're looking for an alternative, a nutritional alternative, the thought process would be, okay, well, if I can't drink milk, if I'm going to drink an alternative, I want to get, I want to drink something that's as close to that as possible to where there's a decent amount of protein, right. maybe some fat and carbohydrate, 
calcium, vitamin D, um, zinc, whatever. Um, but those things you can also get from other foods in your diet from a, a micronutrient perspective and macronutrient perspective. Mm -hmm. So if you can't drink milk and whatever you you're like, oh, I'll drink oat milk, blah, blah, whatever. It's not a good alternative. If you just like oat milk and you want to drink it, that's fine. I just don't see it as a dairy alternative because yeah. nutritionally it's not comparable. Fair to say that your preference for this as a, as a person uh, would be dairy milk first, right? Mm -hmm. And as a, as a registered dietitian, it would be in order this way, dairy milk, mm -hmm. then lactose-free dairy milk, mm -hmm. and then soy milk. Yeah, I would say... And the line stops there, people. Yeah, I would say dairy milk, um, other foods that are high ah, in those nutrients, okay. um, and maybe supplementing with calcium and vitamin D if you have to. Mm -hmm. um, Non-lactose-containing dairy beverages, um, ooh, ooh. and then soy milk, and then the others. The, yeah, line stops there. Again, if you're looking for a milk alternative yeah, yeah if yeah. you just drink oat milk because you like oat milk that's fine cool you do you yeah that's or you fine. could just eat some oatmeal with water yeah <laughs> there you go yeah anyway um that's just that's my hot take so um if you do drink bug milk i i don't want to be around you when you do <laughs> sorry i mean just a curious person in me i'd love to just see what it I'd like to experience it, to be fair. Okay, just don't come around me when you do it. <laughs> I want to. Good I wanna, luck. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? You know, you I'm do, interested. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, okay, so, man, that was a pretty quick episode there, but uh, we just wanted to cover some of those topics uh, mm -hmm. that we've experienced and learned lately and then just... Yeah, have a have a conversational piece at the end. Yeah, there's always something on social media to talk always, about. <laughs> always. So make sure you go and uh, like, subscribe, comment. All the things. Share all the things yeah. that you can do on social media uh, with this post, uh, this podcast episode here. Mm -hmm. So. Yep, we're also on Instagram and TikTok. Um, so if you're not already, go ahead and follow us over there. We put out shorter videos of just, right. you know, kind of, current topics or tips and tricks here and there about sports performance and college recruiting so make sure you do that too yeah if you want to check out our youtube page if you need exercise demos man check us out claire and i uh, well if you're watching this you're already on youtube yeah that's right but if you're listening and you yeah. need exercise demos claire and i just put out a fresh batch mm -hmm. of exercise demos so go check that out for sure yeah. are you still sore from that um actually no i'm Good. sore from the lifting that i did the day after ah, to be okay. fair Cool. Um, anyways, so that's our episode. You know, hope you have a great time. Uh, thanks for listening to us. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya.